Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. His banner over you is what? And I... I think we we probably should change that just a little bit so it sinks in maybe a little deeper because uh, that means out of all the people in the earth there's there's a group of people who are under this banner of God and it might make a little more sense if instead of the banner saying love, it, it said loved. All these people under this banner <laughs> are loved. <laughs> and anybody can come under that banner. That's the crazy thing about it. And once we're there, there's really nothing we can do to get out from under that banner. (laughs) Aside from something really crazy. Uh, And I, I don't think I'll ever look at that song, Majesty, the same after that message a few weeks ago on the faithfulness of God. Um, if, if any of you have not heard that message, you, you need to hear that message. Uh, I, I don't know how many messages of mine that I've listened to later, <laughs> but I've listened to that one again, and I'm going to listen to it some more. Uh, Is that there's some some deep things in there that the Lord was doing, and uh, <clears throat> I, I talked to Joy's brother, who has, I guess, been running from a call to be a pastor for about eight years, seven years, maybe, something like that. Uh, and I, I told him he needed to listen to that message, and he did. And God did something in him, and he's going for it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's he's had some breakthrough, so I'm really thankful for that. Uh, This is a a special night for us here tonight because we're installing a couple elders tonight. And it's especially exciting uh, because of who who these elders are. Uh, I've, I've wanted to do this for some time. And... As, as I have led 
the elders uh, in this church. I, I've tried uh, to operate in unity and consensus, and uh, there wasn't the ability to do that until recently. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about this, but I I realize that that what what I'm going to do tonight, what we're going to do tonight, is a little bit controversial in, in some circles. Because the elders that uh, I'm appointing tonight and we'll be praying over and installing are Joy and Kim. <laughs> and... There, there are opposing views uh, of this uh, within the church. And there are uh, theologians that, that I highly respect on both sides of, of this issue, of whether or not women should be elders. Uh, and I, I realize that. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with doing this. Arnie is comfortable with us doing this. Uh, and there, there have not been many times in my life that I, I have had a really strong sense of the joy of the Lord in doing something. But this is one of those times when the decision was made, I just, I knew that God the Father was up there smiling and, and nodding. <laughs> and just saying yes. <laughs> so, I, I want to talk tonight a little bit about elders. Uh, I, I may address some of the controversial uh, passages tonight. I, I, I don't want to take tonight uh, trying to convince anyone who who doesn't really agree with this uh, theologically because uh, that that is a, a bigger uh, job than than I can do here in an hour <laughs> but i I do have some some really good resources for anyone who who would like to see the arguments on this. And, and I, I have a couple books as well. Uh, but basically, there, there are two uh, extreme points of view <laughs> uh, on this issue of, of women in ministry. Uh, there's the egalitarian point of view, which sees no restriction uh, between men and women in pursuing the call of God and the offices in the church 
and and that basically uh, and and that view doesn't necessarily uh, mean that people holding to this view uh, don't see any differences between men and women, male and female. Because I, I think very few people who hold that view uh, don't see a, a created difference uh, between men and women. Uh, I, I think that's, that's kind of obvious. Uh, but the thing is, uh, if before I get into this, I just want to pray, okay? Because I've got so much that I could say, and I want to say what the Lord once said, because <laughs> uh, I, I want us to have time to actually pray over uh, Joy and Kim in a meaningful way as well, <laughs> and uh, talk a little bit about what the role of elder is in, in a, a church, a local church. So, Father, I just, I want to surrender to you tonight. Uh, I just, I, I sense your joy, and I, I share it. And I just, I ask that you would uh, put your words in my mouth and lead me in this, uh, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'll, I'll begin by sharing uh, the Vineyard USA position on on this issue, and it's it's very short, so I I can read it to you. Uh, and this was issued uh, within the last seven years. I, I think it was about six or seven years ago that that they issued this uh, statement from uh, the national leadership team. Uh, in response to the message of the kingdom, the leadership of the Vineyard Movement will encourage, train, and empower women in all levels of leadership, both local and translocal. The movement as a whole welcomes the participation of women in leadership in all areas of ministry. We recognize and understand that some vineyard pastors have a different understanding of the scriptures. Each local church retains the right to make its own decisions regarding the ordination and appointment of senior pastors. And that's it. Uh, and that's one thing that, that I appreciate about the Vineyard Movement and being part of it is, is that uh, it's somewhat similar to the way the Southern Baptist Convention operates. We, we are a, a voluntary association of churches that share values and vision and uh, ministry practice, and each church governs itself and we, we are governed by uh, a group of elders appointed here. So uh, we're, we're bringing Joy and Kim uh, into the group of elders who, who guide and uh, govern this body. So that's, that's what we're doing. Now there 
There are those who, who take a complementarian view of, of women and, and they read some passages in, in the New Testament in a very restrictive way. Uh, that, that those passages uh, restrict the ability of women to speak in church, uh, that they restrict the ability uh, of women to teach in church, and uh, basically the Vineyard National leadership and the leadership of, of this church uh, does not think that way. Uh, I, I think that as, as we hold a, a kingdom view of, of theology, that we, we should want to encourage as much liberty as possible in, in the pursuit of giftings and callings and, and destiny in, in the kingdom of God uh, as, as possible. Uh, I, uh, I, I think, I think that's, that's what we see uh, in, in Scripture. Uh, but we also see some passages that, uh, that need some interpretation. And, and this, that's, that's what we call exegesis. And when, when we look at passages in, in the Word, and we, we try to understand them, and then we, we try to understand what, what they're saying today, there, there's a, a process that, that we have to go through. Uh, and, and the first part of that process is what... What was the person writing this saying to the original audience? And, and what was the context of, of that? Uh, and, and once we understand that, then, then we can ask the next question, okay, given that understanding, what does this passage say to us today? And when we interpret Scripture in using that manner, sometimes what the Bible seems to be directly saying, it may not be directly saying to us. <laughs> and, and that's what we find in uh, a couple problematic passages in uh, 1 Corinthians, one in... 1 Corinthians 11, and, and the other in 1 Corinthians 14. And maybe we'll get to those, but, but maybe we won't tonight. Uh, first of all, I, I just want to look at the passages that talk about the role of elder and the qualifications of elder in the New Testament. So we'll be looking at Timothy and Titus. First uh, Timothy chapter three, verses one through seven, has some things to say to us. The saying is trustworthy: if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. 
And that word overseer, uh, episkopos, can, has a few translations in, into the English, and it can be translated elder, which it most commonly is. It can be translated pastor. It can be translated bishop. Uh, all those English words are generally coming from, from that same root. So, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, he will, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So the, the first thing that you notice in that passage is the pronoun <laughs> that's used, uh, is, is he. And uh, he also being the husband of one wife. But if we also look at the qualifications of deacon, the description is quite similar, but then it starts talking about and women. So if the re, if if those uh, qualifications for deacon that start out with the masculine pronoun he also apply to women. Uh, those taking the egalitarian approach see these qualifications also as applying to women. So, and, and again, there, there are those who take a, a very strict literal approach to this and uh, I certainly don't want to argue with them. I, I certainly don't want to condemn them as, as being wrong. Uh, I just feel the Lord leading into a more open, welcoming uh, approach and understanding of gifting and calling. Uh, and one of uh, the New Testament scholars uh, who I, I trust the most, and two of them are Gordon Fee uh, and uh, Henry Grudem. Uh, Gordon Fee is on the egalitarian side, and he grew up in, in the Pentecostal charismatic tradition, and all, all his life growing up in the church, he, he just always saw men and women both 
being pastors and prophets and evangelists, and uh, he, he never saw any restriction. Uh, so as, as he became a Bible scholar and, and has published many fine works uh, in interpreting Scripture, uh, his, his position is, is that he, he sees nothing in the New Testament that, that would restrict uh, women from being an elder. Wayne Grudem, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, grew up in a different tradition and interprets Scripture differently, coming to the same conclusions that his tradition came to uh, long ago and, and still practices. Uh, so I, I think that explains some of the disagreement that we still have in the body of Christ about this, is, is that we, we all have a tendency to interpret Scripture with the lenses that we were given <laughs> uh, based on our early church experience. And uh, for me, there's, there's, there's been a bit of a shift in my understanding and, and my theology because I, I came from uh, a more restrictive view. Uh, and have have spent time really looking at at the passages in in the bible that that talk about this and uh trying to really get to the heart of what the writers were saying and and what the spirit is saying in in the text and and that has has led me to where i am now so uh, let's let's look at the rest of the passages uh, that talk about qualifications and duties of elders, and then we'll we'll see where the Lord wants to go from there. So, First Timothy, chapter five, uh, verse seventeen through nineteen. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So if, if we have been careful in selecting elders, uh, then we, we need to be careful when charges are brought against them. Uh, we, we really do. And the way that, that I have tried to operate in appointing elders and, and deacons in, in our church, and I, I want to continue that way, is, is that I... I want to see who's doing the work of an elder, and, and those are the ones that I want to appoint as elders. 
and, and I, I want to see who, who is doing the work of, of a deacon and, and appoint them to be deacons. Uh, because uh, what that title really does, it, it's, it's not going to lead someone into doing something that they're not already doing, probably. Uh, although some try to use it that way. It's, it's more a blessing of, I see this on you, and I see you doing this, so I want to make this official so that you, you not only are doing it, but now you have the authority associated with it. So that's, that's the way uh, that we want to operate. And then there's a passage in, in Titus chapter 1 as well. Uh, Titus 1, starting in verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So we want elders to know the word we we want them to be doers of the word as as well as hearers of the word and and be able to teach and and to watch over the flock of god that's that's the role of of the elders uh, peter also has some things to say in first peter chapter 5 starting in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud that gives grace to the humble. And that's kind of a sobering passage to, to me as an elder and, and for, for those who serve in the office. Um, to be examples, to, to prove to be examples to, to the flock. 
Uh, and that's my desire, but I, I know I don't always uh, live up to that. Uh, and I, I hope I do more and more. Uh, so we're still human, <laughs> but we are to be examples. And, and we are to be servant leaders, not those who just tell people what to do. <laughs> and there's, there's a couple other passages that I think are, are significant about elders, and they're, they're very short. 1 Timothy 4.14, when Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And, and this is one of the reasons that, that I, I feel uh, that we should appoint elders who are actually functioning as elders by, and, and releasing authority upon them uh, for the position. Because... By walking in that authority and in the anointing of that calling, uh, there, there is the ability to impart things that, that wouldn't be there as much without the authority. So I want us to have that capability. And then also James chapter 5 is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And this, this is something that, that's important <laughs> for, for all of us to, to understand. Uh, there, there is an authority that the Lord gives to, to the elders in, in the local church and, and an anointing. And so when we, we are sick, when we're suffering, when we need prayer, uh, it's an act of faith to call the elders to come and, and pray for you. And we, we learned this when, uh, oh, the missionaries from uh, Botswana, Phil's sister and brother-in-law, what? Yeah, when, when Rob taught on healing uh, a couple of years ago, uh, how, how many of Jesus' healings related to faith of, of the person being prayed for. So there's, there's an act of faith involved in calling the elders to come and pray. There's, there's an act of faith involved in coming to the healing rooms to be prayed for, for healing. And, and the Lord honors those, those acts of faith. And... And he does something. <laughs>
So uh, I want us all to have that understanding and, and know that it's an open invitation. Uh, it's, it's great to get prayer at the end of the service uh, for healing or, or whatever we need. Uh, but, and, and there is some faith involved in, in doing that. But it seems like there's, there's a little more faith involved in either calling the elders or, or coming to the healing rooms to, to be prayed for. So I, I just want you to take that invitation, I guess. So, um, maybe I'll talk about just a, a couple things. Uh, as a sort of background. Um, if we look at the creation account prior to the fall, we, we don't really see women put in a subjective role to man prior to the fall. Now, yes, in Genesis 2, Eve was, was made from the rib of Adam to, to be his helper, uh, depending on the translation, helpmate. That, that's not a real great translation of, of the Hebrew, because... Where, where that word is used most often is about God helping his people. So, so it's not a, uh, a statement of Adam being over Eve and, and she's like his girl Friday. It's, that, that's really not what's being communicated in, in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, it's that Eve is the counterpart for Adam that, that was missing. Uh, as, as Adam named the animals, uh, we see in Genesis chapter 2, uh, it was found that there was no counterpart for, for Adam. And, and the Lord did not want him to be lonely and, and wanted him to be able to procreate. So Eve was, was created. And, and what, we, what we see uh, in, in Genesis chapter 2, before the fall, is, is we, we see them sharing this dominion over creation and walking in the cool of the day together with, with God. Uh, just... I mean, what an awesome picture that that is. <laughs> uh, but then we the fall takes place. De Eve is deceived, and and then then we see the curses coming. And that, this is in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 16. To the woman, 
the Lord said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And it's, it's interesting to me that that's where we see that taking place. It's, it's after the fall that the woman is really placed under the man. Uh, and then to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you. So that's why we have thorns and thistles and weeds and, <laughs> and all that stuff. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. So that's really the first step away from being egalitarian. Uh, prior to the fall, that's, that's what we had with, with Adam and Eve. After the fall, things changed. And then, uh, to become the people of God... required circumcision. A, a male thing. So, this was required of the people of Israel to, to be part of the community. That the men of the family had, had to do something to, to be part of the community. Things changed under Christ. We, I, whether I'm circumcised or not, it, it's not going to do me any good <laughs> before God. Uh, it may have some health benefits, but it's, it's not going to get me into the kingdom. It's, it's being born again, and then being obedient, being baptized. That's how we become the people of God now, and Notice how that is both male and female. That's, that's important, I think, in our understanding of, of how things now work. Uh, it's, it's up to you, it's up to me, it's up to each individual whether or not we're, we're going to be part of the people of God. And a verse or a passage that speaks to this uh, is, is in Galatians. And, and this is uh, one of the strongest passages supporting the egalitarian view. Galatians 3, starting in, in verse 24. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. And again, the, the, the letter to the Galatians was written by Paul because 
certain people in that group were were essentially wanting to go back to the law. They they had Christ, they they'd been born again, but they they still wanted to hold on to the law and and feel better about themselves <laughs> because of how they were observing the law. And that's sort of the context of this because Paul is saying that the law showed us that we needed something else. <laughs> we needed something better. We, we needed grace. We needed Christ Jesus. We, we needed his blood to, to get us into the kingdom because we just can't get it done. <laughs> they couldn't get it done. We, we can't get it done. So picking up in verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. That's great. <laughs> Essentially we are, <laughs> but the tutor is not the law anymore. The, the tutor is the Holy Spirit. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And, and so, one of the keys, I think, to, to understanding how God looks at what is open to men versus what is open to women in, in terms of offices, calling, gifting, etc. What is it going to look like in the future when we are in the fullness of the kingdom of God? Are there going to be restrictions on women because they are women. I, I don't see that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we, we can find a justification of that either in the Old Testament passages that talk about what the millennial kingdom and the fullness of the kingdom is going to look like. I don't think we can find it in the New Testament passages that, that talk about that. So if, if that is going to be the case, should we be more restrictive now since the kingdom is here even though it's not fully here? To me, that is a compelling argument to, to not be overly restrictive. Um, before I really started to dig in to this, I, I really had no problem with women being staff pastors or, or being elders. But I, I just, I had a little bit of a problem with a woman being a senior pastor. 
and I, I, I don't anymore. After the time that I've spent looking at this in, in the scriptures and being instructed <laughs> by my tutor. <laughs> uh, and and I've, I've met some women who are senior pastors in, in the vineyard, one in particular who's from Iowa City, Iowa. And uh, I mean, what, what a gifted lady. Um, I should probably be more like her. <laughs> and, and her husband is a medical doctor. Uh, and, and he's, so he, he's not much help, <laughs> as, as you can imagine, uh, in, in the church. They, they just don't have a lot of free time. Uh, and and she's, she's got a, a great church going. So, um, the, the two most, how am I doing on time? What, what is it? Hmm? I, I, just very quickly, I, I want to at least mention the two passages that, uh, that are most troubling, uh, to people, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that, that talks about the issue of covering. And it, it really seems that Paul's comments, and, and, and this, this is uh, in going through that interpretation of scripture process, the, the exegesis. One, one of the things that, that we have to understand about the letters that were written that are in the New Testament, they, they generally were written to a particular church addressing a particular set of problems with, within that church. They the letters are, are generally not teaching us theology. Uh, they're addressing problems. Uh, so the problem addressed, uh, or in, in general, uh, sometimes these problems have to do with the missional success of the church in a particular city or in a particular area. And what, what those issues strike at are problems of practice that, that could make it more difficult for the gospel to penetrate the city. If the practice of that church was was becoming contrary to the underlying cultural, social fabric of that city. So if, if the correction is, is striking at, at that kind of issue, then we can't really hold 
hold that instruction up as, as being a restriction that is going to always and everywhere apply. And, and that really is, is what we have in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Corinthians 14. Is Paul is addressing some issues that relate to the underlying Greco-Roman social, cultural uh, environment that that church was operating in. And in 1 Corinthians 11, it appears to many commentators that Paul's comments were a reaction to a multitude of priestesses at the temple of Aphrodite who were seen without any covering on their heads and having short hair. And Paul did not want the women of the church to be associated with those essentially temple prostitutes. And, and so that is what that whole discussion about covering has to do with. Uh, because it's, it's interesting, <laughs> the, because the practice of, of Jewish, uh, those, those practicing the Jewish religion uh, back then and, and still now, it's the men who have the head covering. It's not the women. So <laughs> it, it obviously was, was not something that, that Paul was saying should be done always and everywhere. Because even in the synagogues, for the meetings of, of the church, it probably was pretty common to, to still have men with heads covered even in light of what Paul was saying in, in 1 Corinthians 11. So, anyway, that's, it's one of those interesting cases that is, is very cultural. And, and the one that's even more problematic, and, and I guess the, the issue that, that we have to deal with in 1 Corinthians 11 is, is whether women always need to be under men. And when we understand Paul's comments in, in the context that I just placed them in, I believe the answer is no. And then on to 1 Corinthians 14, because th this is the, the, the more difficult one, because th this is where Paul is saying that, that a woman should be quiet in church. And, and really that, that a woman should not speak in church. Uh, <clears throat> but if, if we really look at the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 14, in the early part of the chapter, we, we see all men and women being encouraged to seek 
the gifts of prophecy and tongues and interpretation as, as the better gifts. And, and that, that all should prophesy. Paul makes that very specific comment. But then later in chapter 14, he says that women, women should not speak in church and, and that he would not have a woman teach men. So, okay, Paul, which is it? <laughs> should women prophesy or, or should they not speak in church? Because it, it, it can't be both. <laughs> uh, unless there's uh, a deeper meaning to what Paul was saying or another implication or meaning to what he's saying later in, in the chapter. And Paul's prohibition on women speaking uh, we have to understand a little bit about the Greek words that are used. The Greek word that's translated speak when he's saying women should not speak in church, it refers to uttering sounds that are incoherent and not understood by others. Not the word lego, which is to say something that is the product of one's thoughts. And again, this relates to the practice of a pagan temple in, in a city that was very close to Corinth where, where they had these, uh, these women who, I don't know if they were drugged or, or what, what the deal was in, in this. It was, it was not the temple of Aphrodite. I, I, I can't remember right now the, the name of the temple that it was. But, but they had these women who, who would, uh, they would sit on a, uh, a stool and it seemed like they were under the influence of, of some some kind of drug and, and and they would babble this unintelligible message because th this was a money making scheme okay people would come from from all over the region to this place and they would pay to, to go into this temple and have, have these women spout off this unintelligible stuff and, and then there would be a man there who would interpret it for, for them and, and he, would, he would give them uh, a real generally and, and this is the understanding of, of the commentators that he would give them a a message that was real difficult to to understand some generalities that that might uh, hopefully try to partially answer the the question that they were coming and, and paying the money to to get answered uh, <clears throat> but but it would be in in a language that they understood and and so i I think Paul is addressing that issue to the church at Corinth and, and he's saying we, we don't want the women in the church 
to be equated with with those pagan women in this temple who are are doing kind of the same thing that the Corinthian women were doing with speaking in tongues with no interpretation. And that's what was going on. So he's saying they, they should not speak, and that Greek word was laleo, that they should not utter those sounds that are incoherent and not understood by others. So it, it really, when, when you dig in to what Paul was really saying, he, he really wasn't saying that women should not teach or that they should not ever speak because he already had refuted that in, in the earlier part of the chapter, saying that all should prophesy and, and that all should seek uh, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Well, anyway, that's, <laughs> that's as far as I want to get with, uh, with that stuff. I, I want to get to what we're going to celebrate tonight. And I really meant to share some really good news at the beginning of the message, but I was so excited about getting started with, with this that I forgot to tell you. Um, <clears throat> this is our last Saturday night here. I'm sorry, Jack and Alice. <laughs> uh, but uh, a week from tomorrow, uh, so Sunday the 29th, I believe it is, We'll be here. But we won't be here very long. Uh, we, we are going to be moving. Uh, we'll be moving to that building on the corner of Del Range and Converse, the Aspen building that Charlie manages and that a friend from the Fort Collins Vineyard is the managing partner of. And uh, he's, he's got a space that is really nice and I think it's going to work out really well for us uh, until we, we find, till the Lord hooks us up with the permanent home that he has for us. And, you know, I, I just want to encourage us about those declarations that we made last week. Is how long have I been waiting to talk to the people I needed to talk to from Sunnyside about us meeting on Sunday? And, and suddenly this week, boom, <laughs> it was there. Uh, so some things are happening. I, some things changed when we made those declarations last week. And I know the Lord is moving and working on our behalf for a permanent home. <laughs> so anyway, I'm excited about this. Even though it means we're moving between Thanksgiving and Christmas, probably. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I just, I got to get over that. I, I mean... I don't know how many people Joy and I have helped move in the last 25 years, but <laughs> we, 
we've, we've done a lot of sowing. So I, I think we're going to reap some help <laughs> for this next move. So uh, if, if you're here tonight and, and you have been an elder or you've been licensed uh, to preach or, or ordained, uh, would you stand up? Okay, so um, we're going to have uh, Kim and Joy come forward here. <laughs> and somebody took the oil. <laughs> it's right there on the other side. Where is it? Ah, there they are. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, those uh, who've, who've been ordained or elders or licensed, uh, I'm going to have you guys come up in a minute when, when we pray over uh, Joy and Kim. Uh, but Joy went through the same ministry school that, that I did. And when I was licensed by the vineyard, she was also licensed by the vineyard. And uh, I want to bless her, but it's, <laughs> I hope I can get the words out. Uh, I, I know uh, we wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> I wouldn't have made it this far with, without you. And uh, you, you are not... less than me in any way. And I honor you. I'm so thankful for you. Uh, we are one. And I am so blessed because of that. And Kim, I, I want to license you. Because <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I've just seen you operating as an elder for a few years now. And uh, I, I see that, and I, I bless that, I, I bless you. As, as an elder and I'm, I'm thankful that you're part of this body <laughs> so would, would those of you who uh, are licensed or ordained or have been elders come, come up here and uh, we, we, we want to pray over these two. <laughs> Lord, I ask you for a spirit of prophecy too, right now. Mm. So, Joy, I just, uh, I want to release you. 
into the ministry of an elder in this body. And Kim, I, I want to release you as an elder in this body. So let's let's pray. <laughs> hmm. This woman can teach. And she she's imparted much to many children. But she has much to impart to adults as well. Joy, you walk in such a mantle of wisdom. bless that and ask for increase <laughs> you guys can pray too we'll just take turns <laughs> a new direction a new anointing, a new level, mm -hmm. a higher insight, mm -hmm. a new depth, a new height, a new width, mm -hmm. you'll open your mouth mm -hmm. and the Lord will fill it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for these two women who love you, obey you, who honor you. God, we thank you for their giftings, for the calling upon their lives. As a body, we receive. Mm. Every gift that they have, yes. All that mm. they wish to impart to us, Father, we receive it. Mm -hmm. We mm. honor them mm -hmm. for stepping forward and taking on this responsibility. Mm -hmm. Your word says that he who mm. desires the work of an elder. Mm. Desire is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, Father, it is work. Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you that these two women are women of prayer <clears throat> who lift up this body. Mm. I thank you that they are women who have a pastor's heart to care for the people of this body. Mm. 
Thank you for that, Lord. God for what you're doing. Father, we call those giftings forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right now in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you that for joy, mm -hmm. God, that this teaching is going to start yes. stirring in her. Mm -hmm. Father, I just see you just doing, just doing a work with her being able to teach us, God some things mm -hmm. and father I just pull on that right now in Jesus mm -hmm. name mm -hmm. and we call that forth in Jesus name thank you Lord I heard a voice say can I do this yes Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You can pray for Joy too if you want to. Yeah, you go right ahead. As, as he showed us that the storms mm -hmm. are coming. And that you and I walked through those storms together. And we had different gift, giftings as we did that. So. Our eyes are fixed on him. Mm -hmm. We so behold him. Mm -hmm. We so lay this whole burden, this responsibility mm -hmm. that he just gave us, we so lay it at his feet. And so mm -hmm. worship him together, mm -hmm. knowing it's all him. Mm -hmm. That all we are are just mm -hmm. vessels that are willing. Mm -hmm. So I honor you. Mm. And I honor you, Kim. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for you. Mm. You've spoken mm. some hard words to me, and I've been thankful for them because mm. they've prepared me for some things that were coming. Mm hmm. And I, I see an increase in in your your seeing, mm -hmm. and your speaking forth, mm -hmm. and, and the Lord's going to continue to give you declarations mm -hmm. that that we, as elders, need to speak. Sometimes that we, as the body, need need to speak. I have a couple for tonight. Okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> uh, Lord, I, I just bless Kim. I welcome her as an elder. And I, I see new gifts that have yet to be unwrapped for her. <laughs> they're, they're just right in front of her. <laughs> and, and so, Lord, just show her which ones to grab when. And unwrap. 
And I, I pray blessing. I, I pray increase for her. In Jesus' name. I don't know if this speaks to you, but I saw Elijah looking up to Elijah. And I saw a mantle falling on you that you had no idea. And I hear the word direction coming out of your mouth. I received that. Kim, the love that you walk in and the love you minister from is disarming. It disarms people and their walls fall down. Mm -hmm. And that father heart of love goes in and does many things. It's also disarming to the powers and principalities that are watching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so look out. <laughs> I bless you to drink deeply from the wells of the Father's love. Mm. That as you step into ministry more, that you would never be empty. Mm -hmm. mm. That you drink deeply from Him always. Mm -hmm. And that's where your fullness comes from. Yes. Remember, the storm will not consume us. Mm -hmm. Our God will consume us. Yes. Yeah. We want yes. him to. So one of the words that was spoken over pastor this summer by Terry Bennett. Mm -hmm. One of the things that he said, because it was lengthy, was that as the compassion of God breaks forth in us, then healing comes. Mm -hmm. And so I declare that over us, mm -hmm. that we have um, opened our hearts to receive that love. But see, that love is not perfected until it flows out of our bellies. Mm. So now I'm declaring that those rivers are coming forth right now. Yes. yes. Rivers <laughs> coming forth right now. So receive that mm -hmm. and release that. Yes. The other thing I declare and I ask the Holy Spirit to do right now is to bind our feet, our feet, <laughs> to the path that God has set before us. Yes. That we won't be dissuaded in any way or distracted, mm -hmm. that we know that the light is shining, that he's put a lamp on our feet, and that our feet are bound to that path. The other, the other thing is, I ask that you all receive, by his great mercy, a revelation of his mercy for you, his grace. Mm -hmm. God does not have a scoreboard where he's mm -hmm. keeping track of what, how well you did each day. Mm 
<laughs> he knew at the cross, he probably even knew at the, before he even created the world, mm -hmm. how much grace each one of us was going to need. And he loves and he loves you. You can't, you can't imagine how much love and mercy. Mm -hmm. he ha it's unfathomable. There's nothing you do every day that disappoints him. You are never a disappointment to him. He knows already. He's already given you the grace and the mercy. So just lay it down. When you get to the end of the day and you know you've kind of missed it a couple times, that's when you give it to him. Or if you know right away, just give it to him. Just get rid of it. But he wants you to receive a revelation of his mercy. So I'm declaring that over you right now in Jesus' name. The Lord wants the ladies in the house to know you do not have limits. What God has given you is to be released. Mm. There are many places where you would be held back, but that's not here. Mm -hmm. If God's put something on your heart, we encourage you to step into it. Mm. And we want to support you in that. Amen. So take what you've just seen tonight <laughs> and don't allow <clears throat> the enemy to tell you that there's something you cannot do. If God's gifting and God's calling and God's anointing are upon you, go for it. We'll be here to support you. Amen. And I, I want to give everyone permission to dream, to dream big for God's kingdom in this city and in the world. We, we just declare that limits are removed and boundaries are broken in Jesus' name. The church that we visited in California, uh, in terms of numbers, it, it's not that big of a church. And they have been dreaming for a number of years. And they 
They are doing things that no other church has done. That, that nobody else is doing. So we can't even let our size limit us. Because our, our God, the God who's in you and in me, He has no limits. So let's go for it. <laughs> and I, I present to you <laughs> your new elders. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're the first Orthodox church in Wyoming to have women as elders, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think we broke something tonight. <laughs> so thanks for letting me go for it, letting Arnie and I go for it. <laughs> uh, uh, Lord, I ask that you would bless your people as we go from here, that you would encounter us this week, that you, your joy would be our strength, that we would know your joy for us and your love for us in a new level. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.